0: well, thanks, Jim Nance, for the very nice intro there. A uh, big week, a big finish for Colin Morikawa getting the win in a playoff versus JT. And a big finish, and I was able to get JJ Jacoback, um, his caddy of the last year, on the program. Colin Morikawa's caddy, really good interview here. I think you're going to enjoy the insight of what happened, what it was like on Sunday. Of course, that short putt in regulation on 18 that almost didn't go in. How they talked about it and what their initial reaction was after they had to walk out that green and go straight into a playoff with JT, the superstar. So a lot of good insight, of course, some of the amazing shots that Colin hit on Sunday as well. We talked about the par five fifth and some of those amazing second shots and the near ace they had, of course. Uh, so a lot, a lot going on in this one. I think you're really going to like the insight we get here from JJ. Very fun and a good player in his own right. So we'll get some some information on him, his background, a Napa, California guy, a San Francisco Giants fan. A lot of fun stuff to, to know and to learn about, J.J. All right. Welcome into the Beyond the Clubhouse podcast for this week. And I'm your host, Garrett Johnson, of course. I'm joined by J.J. Jakovac and the caddy for Colin Marikawa. J.J., you're coming off one hell of a Sunday finish for you i know you've been a big fan of Muirfield village for many many years um one of your favorite stops on tour this has got to be one of the best moments to have been at that spot and had your guy come through for a second tour win pretty cool stuff huh
1: yeah it was it was incredible i mean uh, it is one of my favorite golf courses on tour for sure um obviously it's my best experience at that golf course because i had never won there before but um it was, uh, it was pretty special, especially in the fashion that he did it in. It was um, – I, I mean, to be completely honest, if I'm being completely honest, after we – I'll just, I guess, go through the end of the round. If we After we chopped it around on 15 and made actually a really good par save, we went rough to rough to rough, and then he had a nice pitch from the face of a bunker up to, like, five feet. All the while, Justin hit 320-yard drive down the middle and hit a cut three-wood uh, – 22 feet and made an eagle putt so now we go three and we make a good par save and we go three back with three to go against I mean arguably one of the best players in the world so I mean in my mind I was like well <laughs> second's still good we got to finish strong and you know good showing because I just I didn't see him finishing like he did to give us an opportunity but um you just that's you just never know in golf I mean that's a those are tough finishing holes they really are and if you it's it's if you get out of position, which JT did and um he can make a bogey at any time and he did and uh gave us a chance. Uh we hit a good putt on sixteen and then that birdie putt on seventeen was huge, obviously. And then uh where JT was in regulation on eighteen down on the bottom there to that front pin was I mean it's dead. A fantastic shot. He had like a little hooded, I must have been a sandwich or something, and bumped it up the hill to like ten feet and um we made a par, and then he just just missed the the putt. So we got into play extra holes, and it was uh, it was on from there, I guess. You
0: know, a lot of fans watching on Sunday, they may not have realized this was Colin Morikawa's first time ever seeing Moorfield Village. He didn't play Memorial last year. for For you, I think you said what was it Tuesday was his first time he ever set eyes on the course. So even more impressive that he comes back from three back with three down to play against a superstar like JT, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess that gets a little overlooked. Um, He was comfortable on it right away. I mean, he talked about it in his interviews. I think Um, it's a golf course. Uh, It's a second shot golf course. It's, you know, there's some very tough tee shots, but for the most part, it's a little bit generous off the tee um, compared to compared to some tour courses, but it's, it's all about second shots and getting your ball on the right level and getting it in below the hole and things like that. So, and it's also, you know, Jack, it's a definitely a, of course that fits a fader and Colin likes to f- fade the ball, hit it left to right. So, um, he was instantly comfortable on it. And you could tell that, you know, right away.
0: Definitely. Um, what did you, for, for you as the caddy on that final round yesterday, what was the biggest challenge of from a caddying perspective, from your job perspective?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, To be completely honest with you, I try to stay pretty level-headed for him. So um, it was sounds cliche, but it's just another round of golf. I mean, he he had he for us to have a good shot at it, he had to have that start that he had. I mean, whether whether JT bogeys, I mean, he bogeyed two of the first three with wedges. But we played the first we played the first six four under, so that was a actually. We played the first five, four under, didn't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Check, yeah. So,
1: yeah, we played the first five, four under. So it was, you know, it was imperative that he got off to a start like that. Um, But after that, it was kind of just playing golf and trying to stay in the moment. And he, we got a little bit sidetracked there in the middle of the round when JT was making that birdie barrage. And then we, we started hitting, we basically started missing fairways. And that's what, that's why um we had that little, stretching there where we made some bogeys coming down the stretch on sunday you just got to hit fairways and uh we put ourselves out of position on a few holes and made it tough to attack pins when we're watching a guy birdie every hole almost i mean jt played a eight hole stretch seven under i think to take the lead back so um i mean it's a hard i mean it's a hard answer It, it it's just you just have to stay in the moment and be positive and just one shot just stay one shot at a time. It's probably the most challenging thing just to stay stay one shot at a time and um, um, stay positive for your guy.
0: Yeah, well, I, I know one shot that was kind of a little bit interesting was that that one footer that he had to get into the playoff that uh, Colin yeah, yeah. had. Um, Is that Boston all? It was regulation. one, one foot? <laughs> well, it, technically Well, technically, ShotLink said it was eleven inches. Um, yeah, it was very it, long. Yeah, it wasn't very long. So, so there you see it snake in the way it did. I mean, and you even saw Colin's reaction there, just looking up, you know, he's oh, yeah. like, wow, what was the exchange like for you guys? And how, how were you guys able to talk through that and get over that?
1: I think he's over it instantly. He, he, the, it went in the hole and that's what I told him I went to put the pin and he's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just almost missed that putt. And I put the flag in. I said, yeah, you didn't. Let's go play some more golf. You know, it went, I said it went in and it doesn't matter. I mean, it went in. It really doesn't matter how it looks. So it's definitely something you don't want to dwell on. I mean, that's, uh, you know, he had a bad putt and he he probably got a little ahead of himself. And um, he, if you asked him, he'd probably say the same thing, but it went in and we moved on. And um, obviously you saw what happened in the playoffs. So it was, uh, he got over it quick.
0: Definitely. Well, speaking of the playoff, I know that very first hole, of course, JT drops a bomb on you guys on the first playoff hole. What was the vibe like? How did you guys have to respond? Cause I know that Colin called you in to, to read his putt um, when Colin had the birdie putt to answer. So what was that like those, those couple minutes?
1: Um, I mean, you, you always say you got to, that's a match play situation. You always got to expect your opponent to do something special and make a putt or make a whatever. But if you're being honest, I mean, there's a 55 footer and it broke, I mean, it literally broke 20 feet. So it, it, you're not, I wasn't expecting him to make it. And I just thought, I can't believe he just made that putt. And I mean, he made it, he made it in a thimble. It was perfect speed right in the middle of the hole. So to answer your question, once that happens, it's I mean to me, I don't know, I'm not hitting the putt, I'm just out there with him, and the kids the kids showed unbelievable poise, but it almost makes it easier in a way because you there's no more what if, what if, what if it's like, all right, well, I have to hold this putt. there's no if ands, or but about it he he knew what he had to do, and he i mean he hit. i saw I saw the replay, he hit it exactly where we said, and he hit it with perfect speed, and we actually read that. You remember how it kind of wobbled back to the right at the end?
0: Yeah, he read yes. that.
1: We we had that happening. We we had it going left a little early, straightening out, and then at, at the finish maybe when it was lost speed would barely move right, kind of like JT's putt did in regulation. He had the short 10-footer from there, the same line, and it went off to the right. But our putt definitely broke left early. Um, so he just – yeah, he picked, he picked a line out, and he hit perfect speed and hit a nice putt, and it was, it was pretty awesome because – yeah, that's not a lot. Not a lot of people make that putt. Actually, I was I was in the locker room afterwards talking to another player, and um, he was like, you know, I'm not gonna not to say anything bad about you guys, but I thought when JT made that putt, it's over. Sometimes golf tournaments are just supposed to end like that. You know, he made a 55-footer, and it's like in that fashion, it's like that that's over. But Colin just somehow wheeled it in, and hit, he he hit a perfect putt and it found the bottom. So we got to got to live another day.
0: Well, it's interesting that exchange—the bomb that JT makes, and then Colin answering with that putt. When you have fans normally in that situation, oh we're seeing God. that with, with, with no fans now. This is crazy. But you've been in positions at Ryder Cups when Ryan Moore had huge finishes against some of the biggest players in all of Team Europe. So, so what is that like to go from Ryder Cup to to nothing for, for, for being in person? Yeah, it.
1: it- to I think what you're after is it would have I mean if that Mirfield has one of the best atmospheres on the PGA Tour without question I mean it's that 18th hole is even though it wasn't the memorial tournament I mean Columbus loves its golf and their people would have been there and it would have been packed and it would have been honestly I talked to Colin about it afterwards I'm like maybe it was good that no one was there because if JT makes that putt and there's 25,000 people there they would have never stopped I mean it would have they would have just been calming down when Colin was getting over the ball. Instead, it's like silence and it was just straight focus and he, and he made the putt. But um, yeah, I mean, that would have, that roar for JT's putt oops, for JT's putt. And then Colin's putt would have rivaled. I don't know if it would have been quite as big as the Ryder Cup roars that Ryan had coming down the stretch just because there were so many more people there, but um it would have been something similar if there was fans there for sure. It was, it's, it's eerie. It's eerie coming down. I mean, we did the same thing at colonial. We were in the, in the hunt and we got in the playoff there and it's just, it's kind of strange with the, uh, with no fans there.
0: What's interesting. You mentioned colonial. I I was curious, how did Colin take that close call at colonial?
1: Uh, He took it like a veteran. I mean, he, he he's played. He, it took it like to me, and he's playing really good golf. He put himself in position. Um, he actually putted the ball well all week there. It wasn't like he putted bad. He the the putty missed in regulation from about eight feet, ten feet to to win. He hit it exactly where he wanted to. It just it was a little bit of a misread. And um, in the playoff, you know, it's something he's probably going to learn from. Um, it, I honestly think he got out of the process a little bit of going through his, going through his routine and hitting the putt inside left and seeing where, and then making your stroke. And he kind of just got over it and was like, I'm going to make it and go to the next hole. He probably got a little ahead of himself, but um, you know, it's all, it's all a learning experience for him. And I'm sure he learned from that and um, make him better in the end, you know?
0: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and it's great to keep having these opportunities as the tour continues on. There's no, there's no stops unless you want to take a break at this point. Um, but yeah. it's interesting when I look at the stats from yesterday, Colin blew away some of these stats. If you look at at PGA tour, S Martin, Sean Martin, who works for the tour, uh, most strokes gained approach in final round by a winner since 2004. Basically since that sat started for Colin Morikawa yesterday. I mean, the ball. Striking, yeah, heard, what was that like for you to see?
1: I, I heard that one. Um, and that's you know, that's pretty that's a pretty cool stat. Um it's not super surprising considering he, you know, I mean he hit a six iron that hit the middle of the pin and didn't go in on a par three, the fourth hole. The next hole he had two thirty-eight, hit it hit a hybrid to three three and a half feet for Eagle, twelve he had an eight iron to two feet. I mean he he when he's on with his ball striking, it's it's pretty special to watch and um so it's not surprising in that way, but that's still pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive. Definitely. Well, when
0: you when you bring up like the near ace at number four, um, gosh, what was that like? I mean, what was the game plan for you guys as you sit over that? Just, just kind of. Well,
1: I mean, with I mean that we what, what we what we talked about was uh, the two guys in front of us had hit nice shots in there, and um, what we had talked about was just hitting a kind of a, he's cuts it, but he has like a like a neutral shot that he'll hit real straight um i know it sounds silly you should just hit that every time if you're gonna hit it real straight but but uh we were trying to hit like a the pins left and it's a very it's a very tough hole to try to cut one into because you got to start left of the green and left of the green is dead if you if you know the hole at all um and the green slopes hard right to left so you want to give it some room out to the right so we were basically trying to hit a good full hard six iron to the middle of the green and just kind of let it go take the slope of the green and he ended up starting it a little right but turning it over which he doesn't hit that shot very often and it's going right at it and i know it's around the right distance because it was a stretch to ever get six iron to the hole but he kind of drew it a little bit which is going to go a little farther and then it landed right on line with it and took two hops and then you see it deflect off the pin so it's probably going to go i was probably gonna go 10 or 12 feet by it was going a little hard but still it was uh it was pretty close to to an ace
0: under pressure when it all mattered. I mean, what, what was the reaction like between the two of you, uh, you know, knowing that oh, it was we that just,
1: close? Yeah, we were just like, oh, hit the pin. And, and um, I mean, that was it. It was a good shot and move on, I guess. Yeah. A better, the a better shot was the next shot. The hybrid on five was pretty special. A Little bit into the wind. It's still early in the morning. The ball's not going super far. And he's he flies his hybrid about 236, 238, something like that. We had 228 front, 232 hole, but it's early and it's not going super far. And if you carry it one yard short, it's going in the water. So he had a high-cut hybrid right at it. I'm just going be the right club. I mean, I knew it was good. Um thought maybe it would be a little long, if anything, but it ended up, I don't know, three and a half feet below it.
0: And that's another thing uh, Sean Martin brought up, too. Unprecedented results there. No one else has ever – hit a shot or multiple shots within four feet of that hole in their career. And of course, Colin does it. Oh, I don't know. Two times in four days. So things like that. I mean, was he just particularly dialed in? Did you feel like for those shots or just for, for the week or.
1: Uh, no, he's just really good. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. He, he's just, we, we talk about the shot and he's, comfortable over it and he, he he's just a very good ball striker he's a he's a he's a very talented young man who has a lot of confidence and he's going to try to pull off the shot if it's if it fits and um those ones just seem to fit and he and he just the difference is he just pulled them off I mean he hit him exactly how he wanted to so
0: and how was it just celebrating afterwards I mean for you like did you, did you get a chance to do much celebrating or I know you played golf the next day but uh
1: yeah we uh we actually had dinner together he i'm staying with some friends here at, at mirrorfield and um we just he just came over uh in the evening and we because his you know his girlfriend usually travels with him everywhere but she's at home because of covid and um he did all his i mean he had lots of media to do and stuff but he came over later and we uh just hung out and i made some steaks and just kind of relived it a little bit and um it was it was pretty cool it was just like uh like i said it was I don't know. It was just a, it was a special win because I just, I don't know. I just didn't know he was going to win until he won. And um, in Reno, I had a feeling he was going to win. I just like, I knew he was just like, I'm not going to lose this thing. And he was the same way. uh, But again, going back to the being three back with three to go against JT, it's your odds are, your odds aren't great of coming back and winning that. So it was a pretty cool, um, pretty cool comeback.
0: Yeah, big, big win. Um, First stroke play win on on the PGA Tour, of course. Yeah, that's right. Stableford being there in Reno for you. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of listeners, a lot of fans might be curious, how did the partnership come about for you and Colin?
1: Um, Honestly, I uh, I, I split up with uh, Ryan Moore um, in May of last year, early May of last year. And I basically had a new son and I was at home hanging out and kind of wanted to stay there for a little while. I've been on the road a lot and and I wanted to hang out with my son. So I was there for about a month at home, not quite a month even. And I didn't know what I was going to do next or who, where my next um, caddying job was going to be. So I, I just put some feelers out and I knew, I knew Colin was coming out of college and I knew he was going to get some sponsors exemptions on the PGA tour. So I, got a hold of his agent and get said, I emailed him and said, this is my resume. Um, I don't know you and I don't know Colin, but I'd love to help out if he needs some experience on the bag to start his career. Uh, let me know. And they basically got back to me in five minutes and they said, um, I appreciate the interest. Um, Colin's got some names in front of him. We're going to add yours to it and we'll give him your number and he'll call you. And then he called me like 20 minutes after that. And, we talked for about 45 minutes and he said, can you make it out to Columbus for the U S open sectional qualifier, which was here after the Mearfield after the Memorial last year. And I flew out, this was Thursday and I flew out Friday to go to the, or Friday or Saturday to go to the qualifier. That was Monday, 36 holer. And um, we ended up qualifying for the U S open. And then he got a sponsor's invite the next week to Canada and finished 14th. And then, you know, you could, I don't know the exact finishes. You could probably rattle them off, but he finished, he got his, he locked his card up in five or six events. I think before he got the win in Barracuda, he locked his card up at the John Deere finished tie for fourth there. Um, so it was a, uh, it was pretty cool.
0: Definitely. What you mentioned the John Deere and I know a colleague of mine, uh, fellow media person, Will, Will Haskett, who you've probably seen on PG or heard on PGA tour radio. Um, he said he had met you at the John Deere talked to you last year and you made a big point about Colin like hey once he gets his wedges dialed in and really kind of to where he knows he can be with them like look out like that like that that was a big factor at least at the time for you last summer as you looked at Colin's game like wh- wh- where do you think he's he's gone with that
1: yeah he's improved he's improved his wedge control his distance control um it's uh, that's definitely true um yeah I just felt like it he wasn't capitalizing as, I mean, he was making tons of birdies with eight irons and nine irons and stuff like he always does. But we were, you know, 80, 70, 60, hundred yards. He wasn't hitting it quite as close as even he probably thought he should. So I just thought if he, that's one of those things where you see, you talk, you hear everybody talk about if you, if you get real, real dialed in your wedge game, it's um, I mean, if you're getting up and down most of the time from inside a hundred yards, you're going to be tough to beat anyone is and he worked on it, he got a track man, he worked on his numbers and he's um yeah, he's he's definitely improved in that in that area.
0: Right. Well you mentioned track man and improvement there. Um what what do you feel is kind of Colin's biggest strength? I know people talk about ball striking, but you know, what do you see with him overall as as the biggest strength or strengths?
1: It's probably a tie. I mean I can't give it I want I want to say his his just overall demeanor and he just he's such a great competitor and he's so he's he never he never gives up like I like I said I mean we're he I think in his mind yesterday he never really thought he was out of it and he was going to finish like a you know like a winner and he did um so his his overall demeanor is just way beyond his years and super impressive but you can't overlook his ball striking is special. I mean, I know that people wear it out and talk about his stats and stuff, but it is true. I mean, if you're, if you're just better at hitting the ball close to the hole from 170 than other guys, I mean, it, it comes down to numbers, right? I mean, if, you, if a normal PGA Tour player hits a 175-yard hits a shot on average to 30 feet and Colin hits it on average to 18 feet over the course of a season, you just, it, that's, just that's a massive more amount of putts that he'll make you know you get what i'm saying a a 30 a 30 footer by a tour player is probably or a 25 footer is in the eight percent to seven percent range and a 17 footer is a 30 35 percent you know or something like that so it becomes a numbers game at that point and that's definitely one of his major strengths is just hitting the ball consistently and if you think about it from a just a straight up Oh, duh. Kind of thinking. It's like, not only if you hit closer, do you have more birdie chances, but if you hit it better, you miss less screens and you have less bogey chances. So it, it adds up to, it adds up to good scores. So that's one of his, that's his best physical strength is his, is his ball striking, but his mental strength is pretty special as well.
0: Saving shots uh, and, of course, the mental strength. Big, big pluses for for Colin. I'm going to get to some fan questions here or just some some folks on Twitter who I uh, had talked with um, for a minute here. So, at Ray Belcora said, looking ahead to the PGA, of course, in the Bay Area. You're from the Bay Area. uh, Mm -hmm. Colin went to school in the Bay Area at Cal. Mm -hmm. How well does Colin know Harding Park as a Cal guy? Um, Just what's kind of his knowledge of it?
1: uh I, I don't know um we i think he played it i think they played it a little bit in college but not that much i mean um they played the cal club a lot i know that which is in san francisco also um but i think that they mix their golf up a lot and i think harding park is one of those places i don't this is this is just an assumption harding park is one of those places that just pumps in rounds it's just you know what i mean a lot of rounds to public oh, yeah. course so it's not really a place where a college team probably goes very much and i think he i think that's what he'd tell you too i think they played it a couple times but not much so i don't think he's super duper familiar with it but he's definitely played it and i've definitely played it and caddied on it so um i mean he'll be comfortable like you said he played in that cool bay area weather ball going a lot shorter and um so he's he's definitely going to be easy easy acclimated to that so it'll be nice
0: yeah and then at Golf Better Tucson, um, spelled out T, uh, two and then S-O-N, uh, he says, how good is it to be getting paid every week in the sense of like right now here we're in a pandemic, there's a lot of people that still aren't working and are at least getting a chance to, to work every week. So how nice is it to kind of have steady work right now versus before we got the research?
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, there's a lot of people struggling obviously and it's nice to be yeah it's nice to be back at it um, it's uh definitely a good reason to be careful and not um you know we I don't go out to restaurants really and when I do I make sure there's really nobody there and I want to make sure PGA Tour has done a really good job um with our you know the bubble they call it and their with their testing and their social distancing and their protocols that we're going through every week and if you I mean if you look at the the numbers. I mean, I don't think we had any positive tests this week for the work day. Um, there's been a couple, you know, I mean, over thousands of tests, we've had, what, uh, eight positives or something like that. But more than five of those were positives followed by three negatives. So as far as people with symptoms, and that got had COVID since the restart, I think there's been two maybe. So we're doing a really good job of keeping it safe out here. And, um, you know, people want to watch sports. And it's, it's awesome that it's back because um, it was getting it was getting tough just being at home and not doing anything.
0: Yeah, well, I, I love you mention other sports. I'll, I'll make sure I ask you about some of your favorite Bay Area sports events in the past because I know you're a big Raiders guy, Warriors. Um, yeah. Last last fan question at Ben Holka. I think a lot of us don't know Ben Holka. Um, why the Valspar Visor and not a uh, baseball cap? <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't even wear, I didn't wear a
0: visor. I wore a bucket hat. So Ben,
1: Benny, uh, Benny needs to get his facts, right. Um, <laughs> uh, I just like to switch it up. I think, uh, well, I'll tell you one reason I have, cause I have to make my own baseball hats for Valspar because I don't, I have such a big head. The, the caps that they give us don't fit. So I got to wear the bucket hats and the visors cause I got such a big dome. So, and I like the visor look, you know, spike the hair up a little bit. And yeah. <laughs>
0: nice um well as i mentioned i'm going to get to some favorite um sporting events you've been to in the past kind of a list of favorites in general here kind of a rapid fire favorite musician or band
1: i'm going to say god this is a tough one how about the beatles
0: the beatles yeah a lot of people would agree uh favorite concert you've ever attended i know you're from napa california but a lot of great uh
1: venues. pearl jam
0: what venue the cow palace in san francisco Ooh, over by the old candlestick park
1: <laughs> yep a
0: long time <laughs> okay. ago um and then now here's that sports event most electric sports event you've ever attended in the bay area of california
1: the most electric sports event. Oh, it's uh, uh Matt Kane threw a no hitter. I was there, San Francisco at Pac Bell Park.
0: That was the same week of the U.S. Open, uh, Olympic Club, right? Uh,
1: yes, it was. Twenty twelve. Yes, it was. I wasn't. I wasn't caddying in that though. I was, but I was. Uh, I was at the game. Me and my brother. Just, just Gregor. Uh... Gregor, Gregor Blanco. Do you remember that? caught yeah. a double in the gap it was a hundred percent a double in the gap in the ninth eighth or ninth inning and saved it was the most unbelievable play you watched it on replay like he he made his jump on the ball before the ball the contact was even made he started moving it was an incredible play i think it was gregor blanco wasn't it yeah or it just, pagan it was either it was either blanco or angel pagan anyway it was pretty incredible
0: but the feeling the electricity among the home fans as that huge play happens to keep it going like what, what what was that
1: it's just you know it's just uh your hair standing up and it's just the the amount of energy in that place was incredible
0: how about favorite movie um
1: uh, i mean if that's a hard one i have there's a lot Can I give you a couple?
0: Yeah, go two.
1: Okay, um, True Romance, The Usual Suspects, and Shawshank Redemption.
0: <laughs> you got and some like some, those are
1: three of my favorites.
0: Some AFA AFI top one fifties there. Awesome, uh, great movies. Favorite TV show right now?
1: Um. Well, I'm watching money heist on on Netflix. That's pretty good. pretty interesting. it's a sub it's a on subtitles, but it's dubbed over. It's like a Spanish show. It's pretty good. I like it.
0: Hmm. Favorite round of golf that you've ever played at this point.
1: Boy. I mean let's just I guess we got to say my that's the the first time I won the national championship uh at Chico State Division 2 I shot 66 in the final round my sophomore year to come from behind and win it um that was a long 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 time ago but that was a pretty cool round for me because I was I don't I don't think I was in like 7th or 8th place to start the day and um shot the low score by a couple couple that day and um and won it so I guess I'd have to say that
0: wow that's that's the big stuff first the first of the two of the two titles you have there for individual champion huh
1: yeah I it my my sophomore year and my senior year
0: have you ever had an ace
1: yeah I've had uh I think I've had eight hole-in-ones and but I had one on a par four. four oh yeah
0: Whereabouts is that?
1: (laughs) At uh, the 10th hole at Hunter Ranch in Paso Robles, California, which is central California, just north of San Luis Obispo. It was a driver. It
0: wasn't like a three-wood or –
1: Driver – no, driver. We didn't see it go in, but it was uh, a driver.
0: Gosh, and so you just get up to it, and then what? You just have to literally look in the hole because it wasn't past it? Well,
1: (laughs) it's a hard – it's downhill about 40 yards, so you could actually we went up to the green and um there's big trees in front of the green, but the whole the ball actually had exploded the the cup. It landed like three inches short of the pin, but tore the cup out. So you could see when we got there that it had hit the cup and blown it up and tore the cup up and the ball went in the hole. So
0: well, I'm glad you mentioned a lot of your playing career, of course, with D two titles there at Chico State. Um kind of like give, give our listeners an idea of you as a player before you got into caddying, kind of what, what that was like and, and, and how that all transpired.
1: Uh, I just played, I turned pro after my senior year at Chico and I played, um, played all a bunch of mini tours. I played a little bit on the Hooters tour, which was all through the, um, you know, Louisiana, Georgia, Carolinas, um, then the next year, I played um, on a tour called the Spanos Tour. The next two years in Southern California and Northern California, um, stayed closer to home, and I did okay. I I made a little bit of money, but I never really I never got through Q school, so I got burned out on it. Was basically just gonna take a break from playing. I didn't know what I was gonna do, and then um, started caddying for, for Matt Betancourt on the Web or the Nationwide Tour at the time and um he did really well and won the money list out there and we got to the pga tour and by then i knew a bunch of guys who had made it to the pga tour and once matt and i had split up i started caddying for peter thomasulo who's a great great friend of mine still is and he we we traveled together in amateur golf and um basically turned caddying into a career and um was fortunate to get to work with ryan moore for eight years after that who's a fantastic players had a great career. And, um, you know, I'm, it's caddying's all about um, getting the, getting the best player. Cause we, we don't do that much. It's uh, we do a little bit, don't get me wrong, but the, 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 players are what make you make you a good caddy or not, you know?
0: Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, you had mentioned eight years of Ryan Moore. Um, I know that one of the biggest highlights when you and I had talked, I think at the Valspar last year, um, you had said that one of your biggest, most exciting moments was being in a Ryder Cup on the bag 2016 for, for Ryan and just the the amazing atmosphere at that Ryder Cup. When you think back on now, what, what was that week like, just, just the emotional high of it all? <coughs>
1: Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's still – I mean, it's definitely the most incredible thing I've ever – seen on a golf course it's just the energy and the chance and the amount of people and the playing for your country and all that stuff it's uh there's nothing quite like it i mean we've been in you know the second to last group on sunday at augusto once with ryan and um it's just a different the Ryder cup is just a different animal and it's uh super duper cool to be a part of i mean i don't even know how i would hit a golf shop under those circumstances but those guys are those guys are used to it they deal with deal with the pressure better than anyone that's why they're out there so um it's super fun to be a part of it's it's incredible if you've never been to a Ryder Cup it's something that if you're a golf fan you should definitely try to do one time in your life because it's it's insane
0: really yeah I remember Ricky Elliott at that Ryder Cup you were at um that was his first as a caddy and he had said because Brooks was nervous in that moment. He said, tee it up as high as you can on that first hole here and he swing as hard as you can. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. it was so yeah. loud, like that atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, what is that firsty atmosphere like?
1: I can't I mean uh like I said, I don't know how they pull how they swing, but um it is <clears throat> just picture uh you know a full football stadium full of people right on top of you in grandstands and then 15 deep down the fairway, chanting USA, USA. And I believe we will win. I believe we will win. And just all that stuff. It's just, it's just nuts. And, and Ryan actually, in our first match, we played with JB Holmes, uh, the two of the, two of the best ball matches. And um, so Ryan's first tee shot, you know, he hit the, we had driver and he pull hooked it left and you know, he was nervous obviously and I tried to lighten the mood a little bit because after he pull hooked it left in the, over the left bunker into the trees, and and we he gives me a drive and we're walking up the tee and I looked at him like, "What are you nervous or something?" Like as a <laughs> as a joke, obviously, and he kind of chuckled. And actually, Bubba was a Bubba was huge for him at that tournament. Bubba was a a vice captain and he or an assistant captain, and he he was with us that day for at least the first nine holes, right by us and you know, talking to Ryan because they're buddies and he was big.
0: Mm. Well, and you obviously being a part of that clinching final putt, that final match, it was Moore's point that got, you know, made it a, a U.S. win. There's not too many caddies that have been in that situation, Um, especially the last 20 years with the Europeans winning. So, so, so what did that feel like for you?
1: It was cool. I mean, it's actually a lot like I talked about Colin. Ryan was – you know, he was a grinder. He didn't have his best stuff that day, and we're playing Westwood, and he was kind of just grinding it out. And we were we were two down with three to go, and he just found a way. I mean, he hit a great drive and a hybrid to, like, 10 feet on 16, the par five, and poured it in for Eagle to win that hole. and hit an awesome 9-iron or 8-iron or something like that. I want to say an 8-iron on – 17 and made a putt that broke you know five feet downhill breaking five feet and buried it and won that hole to get it to even and then 18 i swear he hit the best drive he's ever hit in his life he absolutely pummeled this drive we've been hitting we had been hitting seven irons into 18 most of the week when we played it and he hit wedge in and um, westwood hit it in the bunker and then hit in the bunker again and it was pretty much over after that so it was uh it was digging deep and finding a way. And you know, he had his best stuff at the end. Didn't have it at the beginning, but he had it at the end.
0: Yeah. And I'll wrap up here just a minute. I just want to look at just look ahead to a couple majors. We mentioned already the PGA championship for next month. What about um, the the month after that? Wingfoot. I know of course one of your favorite courses to play, period. Wingfoot uh, for the US Open. What would that be like? I know it's a little ways out, but for Colin, how do you think his, his game matches up to a test like that?
1: I mean, his I think his game's great for U.S. Opens. He drives it pretty straight. He's a great iron player. Um, I, I haven't been to Wingfoot since I played the USAM there in like 2004, I think. So it's been a long time, but, um, yeah, it's just a fantastic old, you know, tree line, just nothing tricky about it. It's just real tough. And, um, it's like any, it's, it's, it's going to be like most U S opens. If you can put the ball in the fairway, which is going to be job number one. Um, if you're a great iron player, you have a good chance to do well. So, um, it's just a sweet, it's just a really nice piece of property, beautiful golf course. And it's just, like I said, nothing tricky, just very, very tough. Yeah
0: then in the the last major of the year of this calendar year would be at Augusta. And um, you said in the past, it's one of your favorite courses, it really your favorite course to caddy. So what, what do you think with his game matching up with Augusta national and, and, and just the layout there?
1: Um, It's going to, I mean, I don't want to sound cliche, but I, there's not a lot of golf courses that his game doesn't translate to. He's, he's a, He's got a great mind for it and he hits the ball great. So I think he's going to love Augusta honestly. I uh it's it's a lot longer than it used to be, but he hits it plenty far enough and um it's just going to be a cool experience for him and I know he's really looking forward to getting there. So it's a it's definitely uh when he got that invitation, he was uh he was grinning from ear to ear for sure
0: right and then last i gotta i gotta finish with a funny one you mentioned just almost in passing that you've had eight hole-in-ones eight aces in your life uh what was the best experience with the, with with the buying rounds for people afterwards uh, of those eight aces for you
1: um <laughs>
0: some good ones i'm sure
1: <laughs> yeah probably be probably at uh when I made it at, I made it at the Northeast Amateur at Wanamoiset when I was in college still um, number 12 in competition, but my host, the host that I was staying with bought drinks for everybody. So that, cause I, cause I wasn't 21. So that was probably my best experience because I didn't have to pay for any of them. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good stuff, man. JJ, I appreciate you coming on for a bit and uh, sharing some stories and talking about kind of the, uh, the battle that was yesterday, um, against JT.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So, yeah, really enjoyed that interview with J.J. Jakovak, uh, the caddy for Colin Morikawa. Obviously, a lot happened there down the stretch and in the playoff. Really cool stuff. I really liked what he said about coming off the green on 18, going into the playoff after almost missing that short putt, how J.J. was ready to steady his guy there and say hey we're moving on it's done we're going to the next hole so really good stuff i'm sure colin learned a little bit from that close playoff loss there a couple weeks before Um, but yeah really enjoyed this episode hope you had a good time listening to it and you can follow me again on twitter at john garrett keep the questions coming i'm going to make sure that that's a consistent part of this and look forward to catching up again soon on beyond the clubhouse